Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. It's over. Double killer. Danilo Cavalcante is in custody. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. Take a listen to this. Last night, shortly after midnight, a series of events started to unfold. First, we, uh, we had a uh, burglar alarm at a residence near Prizer Road within the perimeter. Uh, our people investigated that, did not, uh, did not find Cavalcante there or anyone else, but it, brought, it started to bring some of our people into that area. Uh, we had been searching an area not far from there already with some tactical teams that night. There was uh, an aircraft overhead utilizing uh, FLIR technology and uh, close to 1 a.m. picked up a heat signal that they began to track. Okay, I'm going to go from A to Z first with an all-star panel. I'm going to go to Eddie Kadem, investigative reporter with Fox 29 out of Philly. Eddie, thank you for being with us. I want to focus on what I just heard. Are you telling me that at 1 a.m. LA law enforcement was up in the air looking for any heat, heated movement in the brush and in the woods, 1 a.m. there in the air with a helicopter? 1 a.m., a plane was up in the air um, flying around in circles the way that it was described. as It's like a cone that can kind of look down into the woods. So, Eddie Kadem, while everybody else is asleep in their beds, you got law enforcement up there working through the night 24-7. Now, I understand it was a DEA plane. Yes, that's correct, Nancy. A DEA plane with infrared technology on it. Wow. Fixed wing. Guys, with me an all-star panel, Irv Brandt joining me, Douglas McGregor joining me, Dr. Gorniak, Karen Stark, and Nima Romani. To you, Douglas McGregor, geographic profiler specializing in the hunt for missing people and fugitives. You can find them at the Geo Profiler. Explain to me how the infrared system works. And we've got a DEA fixed-winged plane with infrared capability. Just as he mentioned, the you know the, the plane flying over, they, they scan a certain area and they try to pick up the, the heat signature from you know uh, objects below. So obviously they're looking for a human in this case. It could pick up animals or other objects as well. Um, and, uh, and Cavalcante, um, he, if he knows that this technology is being used, he can, you know, um, put in countermeasures to avoid that technology. When you say that there are countermeasures to fight thermal imaging, I mean, most of us, uh, well, okay. I have been on searches where thermal images are used, but most people only know about thermal imaging through like a James Bond movie or, you know, um, 
something like that, high technology. So what is a potential countermeasure that can be used against thermal imagery? That's what Ellie is doing up in the air at 1 a.m. How? What's a countermeasure to thermal imaging technology? Uh, a countermeasure can be a barrier. So he could be inside and it may not penetrate uh, whatever he's behind. Um, like, a, for example, a wall, um, water could be a countermeasure. Uh, anything that it significantly cools down his body could be a countermeasure. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying, Douglas McGregor, a geographic profiler. As a matter of fact, there were problems late last night with the thermal imaging. Take a listen to our cut, 78 from Fox 2.9. In the beginning of this, uh, it was so hot yeah. that they were saying they were having issues. So they have been using thermal in imaging from the beginning, but the problem is we were dealing with temperatures in the 90s and the heat index was so high that it, it was hard to, to make that happen, to have it be effective. Yeah. But we have had rain and things have cooled off over the past 24 hours or so. So while they are up there trying to get a thermal image of where they think Danilo Calvacante may be and remember, this is a two-time killer. He shot a guy at a food truck reportedly over a car repair. And then he stabbed his girlfriend in front of her children. That's who we're talking about. Cops desperately trying to find Cavalcante before he can strike again. Let's do Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens, cut 83. Tactical teams made a decision to uh, secure that area, that smaller area, as best they could and hold it through the storm and until uh, we could bring additional resources in and bring aircraft back overhead to ensure that we did not have uh, an issue with an escape. That resumed early this morning and shortly after 8 a.m. tactical teams converged on the area where the uh, heat source was. They were able to move in very quietly. They had the element of surprise. Cavalcante did not realize he was surrounded until that had occurred. As they said, we don't want an issue with an escape. You mean another escape? The third escape? So let me understand something. Joining me right now, Irv Brandt, Senior Inspector, U.S. Marshal Service, International Branch. He's been all around the world trying to find fugitives, just like Danilo Calvacante, author of Solo Shot, Curse of the Blue Stone, and Flying Solo, Top of the World both on Amazon, Irv Brandt. So how do you know you finally get a bead on somebody through thermal imagery? Is it like what we see in the movies, where you actually see a figure crawling around? Yes, uh, it, it is actually like that. I've been in a number of manhunts where we've used handheld FLIR devices for thermal imaging and also in uh, aircraft to helicopters fixed wing. I bet you have. Wait a minute. Most people listening have never been up in a helicopter or a fixed wing where they're conducting thermal imagery detective work. Just explain it. What do you see? What do you notice? I mean, when you're looking down at a densely wooded area, I'm sure there's all sorts of critters and creatures. How do you know what you're seeing? Nancy, the devices are very advanced. And what what you're looking at on the screen is you'll see a darker area, which is the cooler area. Then you'll pick up the heat signature, uh, which contrasts to the darker area. Then as it's moving, you can tell by the way it's moving, whether you're looking at a person whether you're looking at something like a deer or maybe 
you know, something smaller, like a raccoon. You mean it's that detailed? It's it's blurry, but you, with practice and with experience, yes, you can tell the difference between a human and an animal. Have you ever seen a sonogram, Irv Brandt? Yes, that's spot on, Nancy. That's what you're looking at. This is just amazing to me. What did you say, except for the colors? Right. It's the colors that the heat signature is giving off. So it's so finely tuned, you can tell if you're looking at a deer, a rabbit, a possum, or a person. Wow. Did not realize exactly how accurate the thermal imaging really is. And, you know, back to you, uh, investigative reporter with Fox 29, Eddie Kadem. Eddie, it was a DEA plane. How did the locals get their mitts on a DEA plane? Uh, They had every resource available to them. uh, And as the days got on, they just increased their presence, bringing in, uh, there was DEA. um, They had the CERT team. I, I was told the moving in the team, the squad moved in, and there's 20 to 25 tactical guys, some of the most serious guys you want looking for him that, that got there quickly. 25 tactical guys. What does that mean, Herb Brandt? 25 tactical guys. That's basically saying SWAT. Yeah. They're, they're bringing in the big guns, heavily armored people. Even though we've got DEA Drug Enforcement Agency, which is extremely, extremely powerful, Listen, I was a Fed for three years. Before, After that, I was a felony prosecutor. I could never get the Feds to help me on a single case. They, got, they have their own cases to deal with. They're going to help some county prosecutor trying to solve a murder. They're not going to help. They've got their own basket of worms to deal with. So hats off to the locals that get the DEA in on this. But guess what? He wasn't caught. By thermal technology in the end, bow wow. Is that a hint? Take a listen, our cut 84. He began to crawl through thick underbrush, taking his rifle with him as he went. One of the Customs and Border Control teams, Bortak, uh, had a dog with them. They released the dog. Some of our PSP CERT members were also there, had him surrounded. The dog sub- subdued him and team members from both of those teams immediately moved in. He continued to resist, but was uh, forcibly taken into custody. No one was injured as a result of that. Excuse me. He did sustain uh, a minor bite wound. Uh, We had uh, medical uh, personnel at the scene, and they uh, they took a look at that. Okay, I love the way that he kind of airbrushed that whole thing. The dog subdued him. Okay. He was covered in blood. The dog chewed him up. Let me remind you, before you start feeling sorry for Cavalcante, he had a sawed-off rifle with him. He's already killed twice that we know of. You don't think he would have unleashed a hell of bullets on any law enforcement that came toward him once he could identify them in the dark? Unless that dog hadn't got to him first. Bloodied killer. Danilo Cavalcante sniffed out by canines while lying under a pile of leaves and wood as the cops surreptitiously creeped up and surrounded him. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. 
Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Eddie Tatum with me, investigative reporter, Fox 29. Tell me every detail. Don't leave anything out about this particular juncture of the manhunt. All right, so let's start with the the first sighting last night. Uh, There was a a burglary alarm at a residence inside the perimeter. This is near Prizer Road. Um, They didn't find him there, but what that did do is it brought manpower to that area. After that, they put up the aircraft with the infrared tech. This is now around 1 a.m. They picked up a heat uh, heat signature, believed to be him, converged on that heat source. And so at the same time, though, some storms made it, came in, and that caused the aircraft to actually go down. But at this point, the teams are in position. Um, and this is all information from the presser. So they're out there in the dark and in the rain yep. after they pick up a heat signature. Is that right? Yeah, and this is a serious storm. It's, not, it's thunder, it's lightning, too, It's and rough conditions. But they didn't give up. They stayed out there, even when the plane had to come down. Okay, then what happened? So they converge on him, and, and as you were just saying, spot on, very sneaky. They, they, he did not, they saw him before he saw them. So he didn't know he was getting rolled up on until he was getting rolled up on, essentially. He was, we're told, in a prone position uh, when he noticed he was surrounded, the way law enforcement put it, he didn't even have a chance to get his gun out once Once the engagement started, they said it was about five minutes total. He was trying to crawl away. Uh, They released that dog. Shout out to dogs everywhere. Hero today. Uh, They released the dog. The dog got to him. The officers were able to get to him. Bring them in. Take a listen to our friends at Fox 29. The first moments when he was captured, we were there. Sky Fox was there showing um, all of the police as they gathered around him. See all the wood? And they're wiping his face. And cords of wood wiping his face possibly of um, blood. Who knows what the takedown was like? 
And so we're learning now as we take a look in the juxtaposition here of when they first captured him, when they first caught him, they put his hands behind his back to now he's being taken away to SCI Phoenix. We've learned that he was found inside of a shed there yeah. at Prisers. That's where they found him. And he did have that stolen rifle with him. How fast it would have been for him to take that rifle out and start shooting. That's the question. Guys, for those of you just joining us, the manhunt is over. Calvacanti found and brought out covered in blood after a canine got a hold of him, but that canine disarmed him, so he never had a chance to start firing on law enforcement. Dr. Jan Gorniak joining us, renowned forensic pathologist, former medical examiner, Clark County, that's Vegas, and you know, as well as I do, there's never a lack of business for a medical examiner in Vegas. Dr. Gorniak, explain why he was bleeding from the head, and isn't it true that around your face and your nose, uh, your your neck, you bleed so much more profusely than you would from, say, a cut on your arm? Yes. Good morning, everybody. You're absolutely correct. Um, your scalp, especially, is very vascular. So if he was in a high-energy state, as in being, you know, trying to get away from a dog or trying to get away from law enforcement, his blood pressure is, is high. So any cut to the head is going to bleed terribly. I mean, it looks like you are like bleeding to death because your scalp is so vascular. So any cut he has is going to look like it's, it's uh, profusely bleeding compared to his arms or, or his legs. And it sounds like the brush that he was in, I don't believe the bleeding from his head is from the dog, but probably from other, you know, the brush or whatever else he was, um, in contact with. I think the dog bit him on the head. That's what I think. But when you say heavily vascular, you mean a lot of veins? Right. A lot of blood vessels. You're correct. A lot of, a lot of blood vessels. I, I remember at a camp when I was younger, one of my playmates fell, hit his head on a rock, and I really thought he was going to die. That's how much it was bleeding. And then once you clean it up, it was just this little, a little cut. So yes, if you're in a high energy state, meaning, you know, your blood pressure is up, you're moving around, your blood is pumping harder and faster, so your scalp is going to bleed excessively, but not enough to, to die from. And Jackie is waving a note at me. Yes, you're right. He was bitten by the dog, and he was crawling away when the dog caught him and started chewing. Wow. Thank heaven, because this guy had his sawed-off right behind him, and a backpack that I'm still curious about. Where the hay did he get a backpack? Guys, the escaped prisoner, Danilo Calvacante, subdued by canines, captured in the early, early morning hours while we were all asleep. He was looking at life behind bars without parole in the murder, the brutal stabbing death of his girlfriend in front of her children. He was in a local jail that they call a prison. He had not made it to a max security prison yet. And he actually scaled the wall like a spider, uh, so-called crab walking up the two sides of a, a hallway, an alcove, to get to the ceiling through barbed wire, run across the ceiling, jump down, and make off. Over an hour passed before anyone realized 
He was even gone. The guard on watch has been fired. He had an inappropriate cell phone with him. In other words, it was against regulations. I don't know what he was doing. Scrolling through a dating app, TikTok, who knows? But he wasn't watching Cavalcante, one of the most dangerous prisoners they had in the facility. Now, this is after he kills somebody in his homeland, Brazil, goes and hides in the jungle for weeks on end, makes it out of the jungle to Puerto Rico, hides out there until he can make it to the prize, the U.S. What more do we know about the takedown in the early morning hours? Take a listen to our cut 65, our friends at CBS. Jim Barnes and his wife, they knew Cavalcante was around their area, and he says they've been very vigilant, locking their doors, locking their cars as this search uh, goes on. But nothing really could have prepared them for what happened last night when their home actually became part of this investigation. We had a uh, very interesting night. It was it was very sleepless. How did the Varneses, minding their own business, suddenly become part of the search for a double killer? Take a listen to our Cut 66 CBS. It started as a pretty typical Monday for Jim Varnes and his wife on Fairview Road. Jim's wife went out for groceries, then they sat down to relax. We got our uh, groceries in and then we locked everything up. And we're just sitting here watching uh, MASH TV. They knew escaped Chester County inmate Danilo Cavalcante was around their area, but the Varnes never thought they'd be dragged into the case. Then they saw the police lights outside. Maybe five, ten minutes later, they were all here. And we're like, what the heck's going on? What the heck's going on? You got a double killer outside your door. That's what's going on. Listen. Varnes says police told him a passerby saw a man crouching in the field across from their home and called 911. Then his wife made the discovery. Jim's grass cutting boots were missing from the back porch. They would be right down there where the, where the, uh, where that uh, chair was right there. Police now believe Cavalcante stole the boots from the Barnes home Monday night, no more than 20 feet from where Jim and his wife were watching TV. Barnes says investigators also found what's believed to be Cavalcante's shoes on their property. To Karen Stark, joining us, renowned psychologist, also TV and radio trauma expert. You can find her at KarenStark.com. That's Karen with a C. Karen Stark, thank you for being with us. I guess what's so disturbing to me that I can't really convey is that this guy was going to be shipped off to a max facility prison the next day. That's why he had to escape then. That's why he couldn't be caught. That's why he was willing to kill again if he had to. That's why he had a sawed-off shotgun with him, a 22, right there in his backpack. When you have somebody cornered like Calvacante and they're looking at life without parole, they'll do anything. Explain what I'm talking about, Karen Stark. It's, it's desperation, Nancy. So when you're telling the story about them watching television, I'm thinking to myself, they have no idea what could have happened to them because this guy would do anything. What does he have to lose? He would do anything to make sure that he's not captured. And so their life was really at stake. Guys, this family and other families suddenly get the message. Take a listen to our Cut 76, Fox 29, Philly. A reverse 911 call was sent to residents in the area of the perimeter. And, quote, what it said was, this is a message from Pennsylvania State Police. The search for Danilo Cavalcante is over. The subject is now in custody. 
So the word has been spreading. The reverse phone calls have been made. It's over. Wow. What does that mean to anybody on the panel? A reverse 911 call goes out to the whole community. How does that work? Uh, straight out to you, Irv Brandt or Douglas McGregor. How does that work? Well, Nancy, uh, in an emergency situation, the homes in the area, uh, in a 911 area, can receive messages, and it's like an automated message. Uh, telling people about different dangerous situations. You mean like an amber alert? Correct. That pops up on your phone with that crazy piercing scream. Correct. So it basically goes out to every phone number that police have in their registry, correct? Correct. Within that 911 operating area. Ah, gotcha. So that's where the 911, that's the operating area. Guys, joining me right now, in addition to our other guests that you've been listening to, Nima Romani is joining us. He's a renowned former federal prosecutor, turned trial lawyer, president and co-founder of the West Coast Trial Lawyers, author of Harvard to Hashtag. Nima, thank you so much for being with us. You and I have both dealt with prisoners with nothing to lose. That is why when a verdict is read in a courtroom, multiple sheriffs come in. If you know what's happening, you'll see that armed sheriffs, bailiffs, are at every window, in front of every window, in front of every door. They're in front of the jury. They may stand in front of the prosecutor. I didn't like that because I couldn't see. I'd have them behind me. There'll be one to the side of the judge's bench so they can jump in front of the judge's bench if they have to, but you, you want everyone to be able to see and hear the judge and the prosecutor, and in my case, I always had to read the verdict, but that's for a reason. Once a guilty verdict, if it is a guilty verdict, is read, that defendant is no longer innocent. He or she is going to jail, and you can never underestimate what that person will do. I've had a defendant lunge at me in the courtroom. If it hadn't been for my investigator, I don't know what would have happened because I did not expect it. I was standing there waiting for, the, I think, the jury to come in. Just looking at the jury deliberation room for them to come back in to resume evidence. And all of a sudden, the guy leaps across the desk at me with a pen, I guess, to stab me. If my investigator hadn't been sitting there, I don't know what would have happened. So you can't underestimate the mindset of Danilo Calvacante at this moment. Well, Nancy, you can. And there's a reason his mom said that he, she prefers that he actually dies and go back to prison. So if someone's mom's telling them that, think of what the mindset of a double murderer is. I'm shocked that he didn't try to shoot his way out of this or fight or, I mean, obviously the reports are coming back. But, yeah, if you can spend the rest of your life in prison, there's a lot of people would rather die than experience that. Well, Nima, I was saving this as a little surprise for you, but speaking of the mom that gave birth, this is her spawn. Take a listen to our cut 72, our friends at crimeonline.com. Daniello Cavacante's mother is defending her son while admitting he did kill his former girlfriend in front of her two children, but the fugitive's mother tells the New York Times he did it, but he had no choice. Irasima Cavacante said, quote, did it happen? It happened. But it happened because of the stranglehold she put on him, the stance she took with him. It wasn't femicide. He had to. He had no other choice, unquote. 
The choice she speaks of, Deborah Brandeo was tired of being threatened and beaten by Cavalcanti and threatened she would go to police in Pennsylvania and tell them about Cavalcanti, the illegal immigrant wanted for murder in Brazil for a stabbing a friend at a food truck in 2017. That is the corner Cavalcanti's mother is speaking. Okay, let me understand this. You know what? I'm just a JD. I need to shrink. To you, Karen Stark, mommy is saying he had to butcher his girlfriend in front of her two little children. They will never recover, these little children. And mommy is saying, oh, my son, it's her fault. She got stabbed 39 times. And when she says stranglehold, she's not talking about the girlfriend having him in a stranglehold. She is talking about the claim that Deborah Brendeo, the girlfriend, stabbed 38 or 39 times. And I'm going to go back to Dr. Gorniak about how you can't tell how many stab wounds exactly. 38 or 39 times. She didn't have in a physical stranglehold. Oh, thank you, Jackie. Children ages seven and four see their mother stabbed 39 times to death. Seven and four. You think they're ever going to get over that? Answer, no. Mommy is saying he spawned Cavalcante. It's not his fault. She had him in a stranglehold in that. She told him if he didn't quit beating her all the time, she'd tell authorities he was wanted for murder back in Brazil. Karen Stark, thoughts? Well, I mean, Nancy, you know, mothers defend their children. We're not surprised about that. Oh, you are not telling me that you expected this. What? This is about as extreme as you could possibly get. I mean, here is a mother, and it just goes to show, talk about Spawn, why he turned out to be the person that he is. Because he's allowed to get away with anything. He could kill somebody because they're threatening to go to the police. And she's saying that he had no choice, that she was strangling him. What? This is not your everyday mother. This is a mother of a criminal. It's a monster mother. It's a monster yep. mother. That yes, will say it's absolutely. okay to stab the girlfriend. Not a, not just that, but Nancy, she also said she'd rather have him dead than be captured again. This is his mother would rather see him dead. Dr. Jane Gorniak joining us, um, very well-respected pathologist, um, who has uh, taken to the autopsy table there in Vegas many, many times, hundreds if not thousands of times to perform autopsies. Dr. Gorniak, when someone is stabbed multiple times, and the first time this may have come into the public's consciousness was in the case of Jody Arias. I hate to even say her name. I don't want to conjure her up out of the cauldron. But she stabbed her lover, Travis Alexander, I believe 29 times. Can you check me on that, Jackie? But the number of stabbings fluctuated depending on who was reporting it. And the reason was once you stab somebody so many times, you start stabbing them in the same place. The stab wounds begin to overlap each other. And it's very, oh, more than 27. See, see, I said 29 because another person said, some uh, doctor said 29, but you stab on top of your stab wounds and it's hard for the medical examiner to determine exactly how many times you've stabbed somebody. Yes, you are correct. Also, not even that the, the wounds would start to overlap. You don't also, 
don't have to remove the, the sharp force, the, the instrument, the knife, out of the body to continue stabbing. So therefore, you can have one stab wound into the body, but you can be moving the knife around and have, like, say, four or five stab wounds to the lung with one stab wound through the skin, if that makes any sense. So you don't withdraw the knife out. So it could be, and you can see one stab wound on the body, but have four stab wounds on the inside to the heart and the lungs. So yes, it's very difficult to, to count how many times someone is stabbed because they do overlap. People move, you know, because you're not just going to lay there or stand there and get stabbed. So the more you're moving, not only are you going to have stab wounds of your body, you're going to have, you know, defensive wounds on, on your hands if you grab the knife. Um, so these are the worst cases for me. I, I, I really do not, of all the cases I do, except for pediatric cases, those babies, stab wound cases are the worst cases that I have to do. I hate stab cases. I hate them. Um, it's visceral. I can't tell you why I hate them more than other, except for child victims. I'm with you, Dr. Gorniak. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Dr. Gorniak, personal question. Do you compartmentalize? I mean... How do you just go about your day, your regular day, like with your family or with your dog or your cat or going to the grocery store without visions of stabbing autopsies coming up in your head and dancing through like a parade? Right. Um, I get, I do get that, that question quite a bit. So when I'm doing my job, I'm a physician first. So, and that's the only way I can get my job done. So if I go into the autopsy room as Jan, it, it's not going to be a, a, a good thing for myself or my colleagues. So I equate us to being like the emergency room, the emergency room physician. When people come through the door with blunt force trauma, stab wounds, gunshot wounds, that emergency room physician has to respond and react and treat that patient. Unfortunately, for on our side, our dis- patients are deceased. So we put on our doctor's hat and we treat our patients and then we have to, you know, then Jan comes out. So over the years, it has, it has taken time, but I have worked you have to be very intentional on leaving it in the autopsy room. Not to say that some cases do not stay with me. Like I said, some of these, I, I'm, as I'm talking about it, I can picture a stab wound case I had back in 2007. So but, you know, you just have to be professional, be that physician, treat your patient the best that you can, and then leave it in the autopsy room. Nima Romani is with me, former federal prosecutor turned trial lawyer. You can find him at westcoasttriallawyers.com, author of Harvard to Hashtag Nima. 
I guess same thing for you. And I want to use this segue to talk about the mind of Danilo Cavalcante. You know, when, when I had one particular judge, and I know this is unorthodox, but it worked. Whenever we'd have a big arraignment calendar or a plea calendar, I would sit in a room, a conference room, of course, with armed guards, and the defense attorneys would come in and they would bring their jail clients who had been brought over at like four o'clock that morning into the conference room. They'd sit on the other side of the table and I'd go through the police report and all the evidence and let them look at everything there was and I'd give them a plea deal. Of course, they would never want the plea deals that I gave them, but a lot of times we would get a plea. I would look at them and very often they would seem like a regular person to just look at them and their demeanor. But when you look at the police report and you see this guy has sodomized children for the last seven or eight years, or this guy killed his own mom, or this guy gunned down a, a store clerk and his assistant for a pack of cigarettes. And you're looking at the guy and they seem charming and affable. It's freaky. And this guy, we know Cavalcante could be very, very charming. That's how he got the girlfriend to start with. Nima? Well, look, in the beginning, it's hard. You know, I put more than a thousand people in federal prison. And you know, I didn't feel any sympathy for the defendants, but the family members. I didn't say sympathy. H-E-L-L-N-O. I didn't feel sympathy, but I was always intrigued, like looking at a spider in a, a box or the snake at the snake house at the at the zoo, I'm intrigued by how they can be so charming when I know they're a cold-blooded killer. Oh, no question. So it was really those family members, right? The kids, the girlfriends, the moms, right? They're crying, they're begging, they're pleading. But after a while, Nancy, you know, you just get desensitized and you realize that these are criminals and their own families are better off if they're locked up in prison for a very long time. Have you always noticed, as I did, I don't care how bad the evidence is, mommy, the defendant's mommy, sits through it like she didn't hear a thing. Oh, yeah. No matter what, mom's going to get up there and testify. And we've cross-examined moms, right? And the, the cross-examination is always the same. Well, you love your son, right? And you don't want him to go to prison. And you'll do anything or say anything to protect him, and that's it, you know? The bond between a mother and her son is, you know, unlike any other. Back off if you're talking about my son, John David Lynch, or my daughter, Lucy, because they can never do anything wrong. Okay, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Douglas McGregor joining me, guys. McGregor is what you call a geographic profiler. He specializes in serial and violent crime, missing persons, uh, locating clandestine burial sites. You can find him at, at the Geo Profiler. Douglas, did Calvacante do exactly what you thought he was going to do? I think that he did. Uh, Nancy, yes, he did. He had, a, he had a plan. He executed it fairly well. He just got interrupted by law enforcement doing a good job. Uh, he, he traveled north and he went to uh, East Pikeland and Phoenixville looking for you know accomplices, people that help him out, resources. And then after that, he traveled west. And the the key here is the, the place that he dumped the vehicle, the van, it, it wasn't random, it wasn't a mistake, and it wasn't just because he ran out of gas. Like, that, that place was pre-selected. Um, it was actually the property of the the father of uh, Michael Cahill, Michael Scahill, who 
helped him after he murdered his ex-girlfriend. So he knew where he was going and he knew where he was dumping that van. Um, and, and that's not to implicate Michael Scahill at all. He may have had no knowledge that uh, Cavalcante was heading to that residence, that property. Um, but uh, Cavalcante might just have ha- been familiar with it. He might have stayed there at one point. And he may have been he- heading, continued to head west. I mean, if, if Scahill was involved in this or was an accomplice in this um, in any way, then Cavalcante may have been continuing on to to Ohio, to Ohio uh, specifically the Youngstown area. So I can't say that for sure, but he did have a plan and he was, he was trying to follow it through. Youngstown, Ohio, college town. And there would be plenty of single young women alone all over the place in Youngstown. Wow. Uh, now police are trying to figure out, did Calvacante have help? Don't feel sorry for this guy. I know he looks bloody and pitiful. But remember, he had a sawed-off in his backpack. He's killed before, and he would do it again. Irv Brandt, what do you think? Nancy, you were talking about how people are surprised that he wasn't taken alive, that he was captured. And this was done, I'm sure, he planned was not to be taken alive but it was superior tactics by the police. Like the Colonel said in his briefing, they surrounded him and he was unaware that he was there. And then if they would have lit him up with floodlights and bullhorns telling him he was surrounded, he would have shot it out with police. He had no intentions of going back to jail, but in police work, we have a saying action is faster than reaction. And there's nothing faster than a canine. They let the dogs loose on him. And before he could react, he was trying to crawl away. He wasn't giving up. He was trying to crawl, but he couldn't resist the canines. Then they moved in and they captured him. That's the only reason why he was captured a lot. So when you look at that bloody picture of him, well, he's alive. If it would have went any other way, the picture would have been with him with a bullet hole in his head from a, from a sniper. You are hearing the voice of Irv Brandt, Senior Inspector, U.S. Marshal Service and author Eddie Kadem joining us, Fox 29, crack investigative reporter. Where is he now and what happens next? He's heading to Abingdale for processing and then he'll be taken to the state correctional facility where he will serve his life sentence and important with that too. Um, the lieutenant saying as long as he's in their custody, he's not getting out again something everybody wants to hear, obviously. An amazing effort. And finally, Danilo Cavalcante behind bars where he belongs. Goodbye, friend. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.